This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Well, as we mentioned in our prior half hour, Wharton Customer Analytics and Working Nation held a conference here at Penn last week looking at how data analytics will lead us into the next century. Part of that will impact the healthcare sector, which is in constant review to make sure that people are not only receiving the care that they need, but also at a price that they can deal with. In the scope of this conference, one of the ways to improve healthcare is by the sharing of information between researchers, clinicians, and others. That brings us to the work being done here at the University of Pennsylvania in collaboration with other experts on ClinEpiDB. It's a database of information on a variety of epidemiologic data. That discussion was part of a larger look at the landscape of data analytics. Steve Kern is Deputy Director for Quantitative Sciences at the Gates Foundation. He joins us here in the studio along with Ravi Kandikonda, who is a Senior Vice President of Marketing and Strategy and Planning at Comcast. Great to meet you both. Thanks for coming in. Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, specifically where each of your businesses are concerned first, how does having a discussion like this benefit, I'll start with you, Steve, how the Gates Foundation moves forward? Well, it really helps us motivate the ability to share data in the investments that we're making in, in different projects throughout the world. One of the challenges we've run into is there's not necessarily an existing culture, particularly if you talk around health problems, of people openly sharing data. So one of the challenges with that is that then we can't get access to look at the data to start to use some of the tools that are going to be talked about um, you know, in this, in this session that have um, – machine learning or artificial intelligence kinds of applications. So here at the University of Pennsylvania, we were able to actually partner with an existing effort that was already going on to collect data and house data at the university, in which we could add on to an investment made by NIH so that we can start to put our data together from clinical studies that we've been involved in. And part of that is that, that ClinEpiDB program as well, correct? That's correct. And one of the things that's really interesting that we've seen is that, you know, people oftentimes are worried that, well, if I give up my data, you know, then then somebody else might find something interesting in it, and I don't want that to happen. And so one of the things we've started to see is that as we build enough data together that are around a common topic, in this case it's around factors that contribute to growth stunting in children throughout the world, um, all of a sudden investigators go, you know, there's more value if I bring my data to that collaboration than if I keep mine separately. And so you have to hit that inflection point, and once you do, then you start to take off. But the other important component, and this has been a big effort of the team here at Penn, is they've built trust with the people that have collected the data, that they're not going to use the data inappropriately, that that data is going to be essentially cared for in a, in a very appropriately stewarded way mm-hmm. so that good information can come out of that data that helps everyone. Ravi, how, how does this conference impact you and your work at Comcast? Sure. Um, if you look at the world today, it's increasingly mobile heavy. It's increasingly um, data heavy with every single uh, portion of our life um, having some kind of an in, in intersection with either the data that you produce in your day-to-day life or in how that data is collected and used. Privacy is obviously a big concern across the board. So the way we think about it is there are three big dimensions. Number one is a volume. The volume of data that is being generated on a database continues to increase across different dimensions. Healthcare is obviously one big example. If you look at media, if you look at entertainment, if you look at day-to-day life, 
lives, the volume has gone through the roof. Then the second part is the velocity with which this data has been is being created. Um, there was a point in time, 10 years ago, we thought the, number, the amount of data that is being generated was large. It's nothing compared to what is being generated today. Yeah. And as a result of which, the complexity of that continues to be really, really, really um, increased, which means when we as a company or an industry start thinking about how do we leverage the data to drive better outcomes, both for our customers as well as for the businesses, we need people who can effectively work through those each of those three dimensions. And for us, the partnership with UPenn has been in driving that kind of, um, uh, of student uh, you know, capabilities, making sure that the education curriculum has that factored in. Yeah. And eventually that outcome really drives better um, social outcomes as well as business outcomes for uh, for the country. Well, specifically where, where education is concerned, I would think that that is an incredible area of focus for a lot of organizations right now because of the fact that there's not only a recognition that the change in, in some of the education pieces needs to occur here at, at the college level, but it also needs to happen at the primary school level, all the way down to, to the early grades. No, no doubt, especially the focus on STEM uh, and critical thinking. If I think about the core skills that are important for the future workforce and the existing workforce too as they continue to reskill and retool and get ready for the future is looking at digital skills. Number one, do they have the necessary ways to understand what's happening in the market yeah. and digital is the way. And the second part is human skills. The amount of focus on critical thinking, communication, how do they collaborate that continues to be a big, big area of focus for us and uh, STEM education right from the elementary school level is important. Steve? Well, the important thing, too, is that, you know, not everyone has to actually become a developer of the tools to be able to analyze data, but everyone needs to understand how they can consume that data and how they can use those tools. And that's been one of the great things as we've started to build collaborations is that people start to share tools. And then most interestingly, right, I'm sure that Ravi's got a tool that they've been using at Comcast that we could apply in our global health situation that has nothing to do with why they developed it, but the context of the data is is such that we can leverage that tool to help answer a question in our space. And we're looking to do that all the time. And partly by making things more open and available, you start to foster these collaborations. Now you can bring people in from other sectors to start working across different areas where they can learn from each other. And, and then you don't have a bottleneck situation where only a few people that are really smart and clever have access to the data to do all the work. You can start to socialize it on a much broader range. How far along do you think you are in the process of that sharing right now? Oh, gosh, not nearly as far as I'd like to be. Um, right. Partly, you know, and again, I think part of just it is... Just in general, just yeah, in general, yeah. You know, I, I think we're, we're, we're probably just at the tip of the iceberg. And, and, and as, as Ravi said, data is coming in all the time. So we feel like we're really behind in terms of how much <laughs> is coming behind us. So one of the things we're really focusing on trying to do is say, what's the value, what's the data that's really valuable, most valuable? What's yeah. the data that helps us in terms of the questions that we're asking, the problems we're trying to solve? And then how do we sift through through this huge wave of data to find the pieces that are of most interest to us. Probably. And I, I think uh, a shout out to Wharton Customer Analytics Initiative at this point will be critical because especially in Philly area, but I think in the broader analytics space, the way they have brought together like this conference with uh, healthcare, technology, media, uh, education, all those pieces coming together and having that conversation and having that area, of, um, that focus on that area is going to be super important. But I, I think that's a, a critical point to touch on here is that if you go back 
let's say 10 years, 15 years, whatever it might be, that idea of sharing maybe wasn't as strong as probably it is right now. We had a lot of silos being built. We had a lot of walls separating businesses from being able to to make some of these improvements that we're talking about right right now. Now we're kind of in a in, in a time and place where seemingly the understanding is that there can be mutual benefits pulled from businesses that may have nothing in common that you would see on the outside. Absolutely. To Steve's point, you know, some of the techniques that we leverage with the volume of data that comes in with AI or ML, some of those techniques will be absolutely critical for in, in, in healthcare as that data continues to grow and the complexity that already exists it needs to needs to come down. So it's forms like these, the collaboration and uh, sharing of best practices between sectors where we are not competing directly, I think is a big enabler of that, um, that force. So, yeah, a great example. So we have an investigator that we funded who took Facebook's um, facial recognition algorithm, right, which is available. You can anyone yeah. can download it and can access it. And he's taken that algorithm and then he's adapted it and he's helping us to use it to look at scans of infants in utero to guess their gestational age. Right. Mm. And so he's been able to adapt it in a way where he says, OK, now that we have this ultrasound image of what a skull looks like, how do we use the approaches that were used in this Facebook algorithm to come up with a different estimation of gestational age in an infant, which is tremendously helpful for us in terms of understanding then what are the kinds of challenges that this baby might have if they're not at the right level of growth early on in their development. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Dan Loney in our studios here in Philadelphia, joined by Steve Kern of the Gates Foundation and also Ravi Kandikanda of Comcast. Uh, they are both here for the uh, Wharton Customer Analytics Conference uh, that is going on here at the University of Pennsylvania. It's interesting. I, th- I think thinking, Ravi, uh, about your side of this as well, is that not only do you have the want and the need to work with other companies, other organizations to be able to help their process out. But it's also from a customer standpoint for what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with the people that are buying the services from Comcast. Absolutely. Customer experience and service is more, much more data-driven these days than ever before. And understanding those pain points, understanding the journey and making sure that we are creating a frictionless experience continues to be a critical area for all businesses for us as well. And uh, the level of investment, for example, uh, the company has put in about $300 million of investment into customer experience improvements. So where do we invest that? How do we make sure that it is most effective? Right. Those are the kinds of decisions that we, from a data standpoint, enable and empower so that we, um, from a company standpoint, but more from a consumer standpoint, have a frictionless experience. How, how much does that change as we move forward? You mentioned, obviously, AI playing a, a big role, but even something like 5G as 5G really starts to to become more of a of a norm in our society. Yeah, so all of that obviously you know has a lot of um um, uh, complexity, but also opportunity that, that it presents itself. So if you look at AI, one example I have is um, when folks call into the call centers to answer a question, um, most of the times we, the calls that we get, about 200 million of those, are about what, tell me what, cha- what channel is this particular um, <laughs> program on. Yeah. And that is a very basic question, yeah. something that can be easily automated through AI. And when we enabled that, we saw a significant reduction in volume of calls that we were taking. So that's an operating expense for us, but also customer satisfaction because NPS went up because we solved that question when the first call came in in a most effective manner. And sometimes it's enabled digitally. So yeah. they don't even have 
have to pick up the phone and talk, right? So those are the kinds of examples that AI, machine learning, 5G from uh, uh, the level of data speeds that it will enable will, will really help. Steve, I, where the medical side of this, I, I think, is an interesting prospect, as I kind of lead it, uh, let out at the top, is the fact that there are, are a lot of questions now about healthcare, about the cost, about the the ability to make this industry run as smoothly as it possibly can. We hope that it gets there, and I think it does in many cases to a degree run as smoothly as possible. But there are still lots of room for that those next steps to occur. And obviously, as you both are talking about, analytics is going to play a, a big role in this. Yeah, and really starting to, and to look at how you can piece together data in an informative way. I mean, that's one of the challenges that you run into in the healthcare sector is you have to be really careful and respectful of privacy and privacy information. Yeah. Then given that, how can you work with the data in a way where you can start putting things together that give some of those insights that help show if efficiencies that are actually having impact or inefficiencies that yeah. actually are detrimental. And and to, to, to Ravi's point, I mean, the idea that, that you can identify something relatively simple that's consuming a huge amount of your time, I believe that we can start to do that in the healthcare sector to say, what are the things that we're doing that are actually having an impact on outcomes in okay. individuals? And those are the things that we look at at the Gates Foundation, and especially in some of the places where we're working in low-income countries, to say, these implementation, these efforts are going on. Are they having the impact that, that we expected or we thought they would? If they're not, what's, under, what's happening there? Is it because our estimation was wrong, or is it because our delivery is incorrect? This has become a huge component, for instance, in the whole global eradication to, to get rid of polio. So as we started right. to wind down to have fewer and fewer polio cases, really understanding where those cases are, are they, they, they resistant to, to you know, getting any kind of um, vaccination because the community can't get the vaccines into their places? Right. Are they you know, essentially getting the vaccines but not having as, as strong an impact as possible? Right? There are a lot of questions that can start to get answered if you can start putting pieces of data together that give you that information. But, but getting back to you know, something we were talking about before, having something like this ClinEpiDP and being able to see what is going on out there that – maybe not, you know, would normally be connected to be able to have that resource, to be able to have all this different information about various projects going on in epidemiology is is a huge benefit for somebody like the Gates Foundation for looking for where you want to try and put your resources. Exactly. And that's really what we want to use this information for is to hedge our bets, if you will, right, to say what's our next investment that we ought to make. Because right. we, we put this data together and we come up with things that look like they're related and associated. That's not proving anything, but it helps us generate a really informed hypothesis on what we can do next as we test and go forward. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Dan Loney in our studios here in Philadelphia, joined by Steve Kern of the Gates Foundation, Ravi Kandikanda of uh, Comcast. So for the, the want to take partnerships forward, Ravi, this is seemingly a time where it's almost like an open season for businesses to be able to look and find ways that they can maybe help out and make a different sector better that they normally wouldn't be involved with. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about partnerships, so um, we have a partnership with uh, United Health Group, I think, UAG, that uh, is looking at 
figuring out how we deliver um, care to seniors because we have several of our customers who are um, seniors. They do have our set-top box in, in, in there. How do we deliver care to those consumers through the medium that they use most often? Right. So that's just one example of the kind of partnership that exists, I think, between us and healthcare. Similarly, you look at us in education sector as well as uh, the partnership that we now have with WCAI. But another example that uh, we have is the, the Internet Essentials program that we have, which provides access to to internet for low-income families because right. if for us to lift up the whole um, uh, this new generation of providing them access with tools that they can learn and continue to grow, internet has become pretty much um, you know stable of that. So well, how do we provide that? And those are economic benefits that probably a lot of people don't necessarily think about right off the top. But being able to provide internet in low-income areas hopefully provides an opportunity for those people to be able to build themselves up even further. And then, as you mentioned, with senior citizens, if you can find a way to be able to help with health care, correct me if I'm wrong, what yeah, you're doing is yeah. what you're doing is you're hopefully leading to ways where you can manage the cost of health care better and have the delivery better as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And greater you know, outcomes for, for both the, the, the seniors, but also for the younger generation that's coming up. How important is the delivery of the message of these types of, uh, of projects these days? Oh, super. I mean, if there is one thing that is super high up the list, it's probably that because you'll have to, number one, gain momentum behind those programs as to why those are important and explain the benefits of such and why those partnerships, to Steve's point, how do we then cross-collaborate between um, likes of Gates Foundation or with the local governments to make sure that we enable it and fundamentally shift that dialogue into greater outcomes is super critical, I think. Yeah, and and these 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 components are actually really interesting because they're very scalable, right. right? In in low income settings as well. So now all of a sudden, you know, burdens or, or, or impediments that wouldn't have allowed people who who are living in poverty to have access to information. Now I can have reasonable access to internet. I can get access to data. Yeah. I can actually start to learn how to do some of the analyses myself. So instead of you know essentially saying, oh, we have to take the data, analyze it, and then come back and say, here's what we've learned from it, we start to incorporate and use and work with the people that are that are gathering the data and the data is being collected from to help them actually do the analysis and learn from it themselves. And I think the more we can democratize that capability of data, that's really key. Another thing for us as yeah. the Gates Foundation is we're not a foundation in perpetuity. So we, we, we have, we'll end at some point in time. Yeah. And so one of the things we view is that, that this data becomes an asset, a global good, if you will, that others can use. And in the, in the, in the near term, you know, we don't be, we're not just the only ones that are able to analyze it or our team of investigators. It involves anyone in the world who wants access to it so that we can get out of those bottlenecks. Especially when you're talking about going back to something you were saying a second ago, when you're talking about some of the rural areas, just thinking here in the United States, for example, and with something like the opioid crisis mm -hmm. that, that so many people are, are impacted by. And as we know, a, a lot of that is driven by what happens in lower income neighborhoods, whether they be here in Philadelphia or, or in rural territories, to be able to turn that process around in a quicker fashion, hopefully 
brings better outcomes in a quicker fashion and potentially saving lives. Yeah, and Dan, that's a good example. I mean, I had a collaborator who I work with who was asking me that question of, could we use some of the tools that we use in epidemiological modeling that model how things spread? So in this case, it's usually diseases spreading through a community. Yeah. But in fact, it's, it's things that are connected to one another, spreading through a geographical space. Could we use those same approaches and start to look at the data that's coming in into a community to understand where is an opioid crisis being sparked from? Yeah. And where is it going to? And how can we intervene in the middle to basically cut it off before it gets to that place? And wouldn't it be amazing if you guys at Comcast, Ravi, would be able to find something that ends up being a, a benefit to that? Yeah, and or, or a medium through which we could potentially, you know, deliver those messages to, uh, for example, you know, areas that have a higher incidence of it, right? Yeah. There is, those, are, those kinds of partnerships definitely exist. And your point on democratization of data is super important because data today is, is essentially your strategic advantage. Advantage. Companies yeah. that have data are compete more effectively than others. So in that setting, how do we find those avenues through which we could identify those partnerships or collaborations that will enable greater good for the society and the country and um, hopefully in the entire world are super important. The, the, and that's, I think, an important point to talk about because I think in general, when you're talking about the public as a whole in the United States, when they think of content and at times when they think of media entities, there's a negative attachment side to it. But here we're talking about using the content, using this information for the greater good of the of society, of the culture, to be able to try and affect other areas. Absolutely. Like opi take the opioid crisis for an example. That is something that I think we all as a country can agree that is, is an area of, of focus and something that we need to attack. So identifying those common areas of um, of mutual benefit for the greater good of the country and attacking them is, is super important. What do you hope? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. No, I was going to say, and then also because we're sharing the tools on which we're using to analyze the data, it becomes very open for people to look at and validate. So you can run yeah. my tool on the data or you can run it on your own data and say, do I get the same result when I look at my experience? And if I do, then that's validating. If I don't, yeah. hmm, that might raise a question about whether there's you know, either a generalizability of the, of the outcome or maybe there's something wrong with my tool. But by making it more open and not something that's done undercover, right, is, is a way that actually helps people believe in the analysis, believe in the story that's coming out of the data, and just helps us to use it much more effectively. What do you hope that either you take from this conference or this conference kind of enlightens well, one of the things I'm looking forward to is the opportunity to use this conference to catalyze further interactions. So maybe one of the things that comes out of here is that, you know, Ravi and I figure out a way that we can work on a similar project together because we have similar interests. Or that I can spark a generation of younger people who go, that's really cool what they're working on. I'd like to look at that data in more detail. Go to ClinEpiDB and you can go start to explore yourself on your own. Ravi? Two things. One, I think, is obviously the talent and reskilling. So technology is changing at the speed of light. So what does it mean for the workforce, especially in Philly and surrounding areas? How do we make sure that we, uh, we, we have adequate supply of the talent? So to me, that's one. And the second part, to Steve's point, is collaboration. What are those common areas where we could collaborate more effectively and drive either common practices or best practices that can be shared across the sectors that uh, will essentially leverage the full power of data and technology? Gentlemen, great meeting you both. Thank great. you for coming over today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Steve Kern, uh, Deputy Director for Quantitative Sciences at the Gates Foundation. Ravi Kanikanda, Senior Vice President of Marketing, Strategy, and Planning at Comcast. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.